Hi, I'm Dr. Annaline Weston, Dental Legal Consultant at Dental Protection. Welcome to Risk Bites, a series of podcasts created specifically for dental practitioners in Australia. Risk Bites looks at the key dental legal risks and issues affecting dental practitioners across Australia and provides helpful advice and guidance on how to steer clear of them, leaving you free to provide safe and high quality dental care for your patients. In this edition of Business Continuity Planning, my colleague, Dr. Simon Parsons, who's a fellow dental legal consultant, is going to talk about just that. So Simon, today you are talking about business continuity planning. Can you please share with us what you mean by this and whether it's just another way of talking about how to recover after a disaster? I'm really glad you asked that question because it can be difficult to really grasp what is meant by BCP or the business continuity plan. In the simplest terms, A business continuity plan is a living document. It informs and guides a practice about the steps needed to ensure key services remain available to patients after a disaster or major and usually unplanned disruption to the normal operating environment. The BCP is in reality a readily available resource so that these disruptions are unlikely to cripple the running of your practice. So using COVID as an example, A dental surgery's BCP will outline the who, what, how, and when you implement plans when government restrictions apply to the range of dental services you can offer, or when a staff member tests positive to COVID. It will help you know where to find key information from health departments, where you can source PPE, which staff may be available to work extra shifts, and so on. Disaster recovery plans are part of your BCP, but are typically more focused on how you implement a recovery strategy for your IT systems or financial systems in the event of a server failure or power interruption. It outlines what you need to do as soon as the crisis occurs in order to recover these systems from the event. So you might say that they are intertwined. Today, we're going to explore the BCP overall, what it includes and why you need one for your practice. Why don't we look at that last issue first? Why do we need a BCP in dental practice? Surely we hope a major crisis will never strike us in our practice. We only have to look at 2020 to realise how rapidly our business conditions can change for the worst and that none of us are immune to being subject to business interruptions and mandatory regulatory changes. I doubt that any of us were really prepared for trying to obtain supplies of $60 boxes of face masks and other PPE, or managing orthodontic patients already in treatment when we were advised to provide only emergency treatment for our patients once COVID hit. In the same way that our patients expect us to have a plan for the treatment we provide them, it is prudent for us to have a plan in case the unexpected occurs. With a plan, we can have a lot more certainty about what we need to do. Our staff can be assigned roles and responsibilities and get on with maintaining operations rather than feeling directionless and lost, or even worse, insecure and mistake prone. This means that BCP lowers our risk of staff making a critical error in maintaining operations that could adversely impact patient safety and our business's reputation. So if a power outage occurs on our electrical mains board that prevents our ultrasonic washers and autoclaves from operating, but perhaps not all our basic equipment, 
How are we going to manage our infection control? Do we cancel patients, substitute single-use disposable equipment, or implement other backups, such as borrow from the medical practice next door or relocate equipment onto other electrical circuits? What is or isn't acceptable here? You simply don't want to be working this out with some of the lights off or your phone and computer systems in disarray. You don't have the time if it happens at 10.20 a.m. on a Tuesday, and you may not be readily able to get advice if you're unsure about what to do or therefore who you need to call first. So what does a BCP include? Your dental practice's BCP will be a document that is regularly reviewed, at least annually, to reflect your ongoing risk management processes. When talking about risk management, we need to understand and identify what risks are posed at our practice, what can be done to manage or mitigate those risks, and what we can do to ensure our practice can function during an operational disturbance or interruption. So it will have several clear sections. After a cover sheet listing the business, its address, all phone numbers, the web address and the ABN, there will be a section that will identify the risks. This will be a list of factors such as, number one, the pandemic. I've separated this out because as we've seen, a pandemic can impact different locations quite differently, such as practices in Perth compared to Melbourne and vary rapidly in its overall impact. Secondly, natural disasters, such as fire, flood, or earthquake. Thirdly, man-made disasters, such as a power cable being cut down the street or a burglary. Fourth would be technological disaster, the phone, patient records and IT systems, full infection control failure, or an NBN systems internet outage. The fifth one might be supplier failure, such as a shortage of essential consumables being delivered, supplies and resources, including staff being in short supply. Within this category, I'd include the sad and untimely death or serious illness of a critical staff member, such as the principal dentist at the practice, or the suspension of a key associate dentist, hygienist or therapist by the dental board for serious professional misconduct. And then finally, something like war. If some of your staff are military reservists or you are trained in forensic identification of casualties, you may need to consider this as a circumstance that may severely impact staffing as well as your overall operations. It will then outline what to do in each hypothetical situation. For example, for an IT disruption, it will outline where the backups are kept and how often it is updated the name of your IT hardware supplier, your IT system support contact numbers, the order in which the IT systems need to be safely restarted after a major failure or from malware and antivirus and so on. It will also include what to do in terms of who might need to be notified after a serious data loss or data security breach. In this example, you ideally have detailed instructions about how to print day sheets and patient records for the patient still to be seen that day, perhaps taken from your backup, how to make records and perform infection control tracking while the computers are down, and you'll have templates for photocopying to simplify the manual entry of those records. 
Your plan will include who is responsible for overseeing the implementation of these recovery steps and how patients, staff and suppliers will be contacted as necessary. As for a pandemic example, we've seen during COVID that some healthcare facilities have an A and a B team of staff. That way, if someone in the A team contracts COVID, that whole team is likely to end up in isolation, but the B team can still continue running the practice for the next 14 days. Your plan will detail how you implement this two-team approach once a pandemic is underway and whether staff who are more susceptible to infection are assigned non-customer-facing roles for their own safety. Part of your plan should be templates to send emails, Facebook announcements, and SMS notices to patients should it be necessary to temporarily suspend business or cancel appointments at short notice or only permit certain types of patients to be seen, such as for emergencies. It will include, ideally, a means for quickly adding an alert on your practice website advising what level of operations exist and any precautions that patients must abide by. Further, your plan may have several dimensions to reflect the severity of the situation. It is helpful to know what to do for a short, medium or long-term disruption to your operations. Sometimes you will know that a problem is only short-term, for example, a burglary involving the theft of drugs or cash. Whereas a major power interruption or flood may involve days or even weeks where your business may not be back to normal. So this means you need plans that can be staged or escalated over time. Like with COVID, the environment may change and your needs will vary from screening patients to ensuring supplies of PPE to cancelling non-urgent care. Equally, a major autoclave failure may have you using disposables and maintaining operations until it is fixed or until you run out of your stock of sterile items. Knowing the point where the next stage of the plan is implemented, such as then cancelling your patients, is critical. The third section can be a go-to area where the names and contact details of all key internal and external stakeholders are listed. This will include dental supply companies, equipment technicians, the IT practice management software vendors details, the IT hardware supplier, gas and electricity utilities, phone company, buildings and contents insurers, the indemnity insurer, high caps account, electrician, plumber, laboratories, accountant, anaesthetic gas and drug suppliers, your security company, your website administrator, and so on, as well as the details of staff members critical to ensuring ongoing operations. It can also include contact details for temporary staff agencies, recruitment consultants, infection control consultants, regulatory bodies, and some key colleagues who you might be able to rely on for advice and help in a crisis. I'd also recommend that you ensure you have a list of all the account numbers for each of your suppliers, the practice bank account, and other key financial areas so that you can readily order and pay for new equipment and service calls as needed. A list of your equipment models, noting their brand and the type of handpieces and couplings and your compressor, 
and the model number of your autoclaves and x-ray units and so on can be very helpful in a crisis situation. Importantly, your BCP will also list which key staff have been allocated responsibilities as part of a recovery plan. Who needs to oversee it, Simon? At least one person needs to be given the responsibility of managing the BCP. It's likely to be someone senior who can be trusted with this level of information. If you have a workplace health and safety representative, that person is the natural choice to oversee the many safety-related aspects of implementing your plan, but he or she may not be the best person to own it overall. Your plan will have some business and confidence information in it, and depending upon the level of trust you have at your practice, an abridged version may be required that deletes some account information, for example. You might decide to structure it so that such information may be accessed by select staff only. The bulk of your plan can remain openly accessible to all staff at the practice and be stored on USB drives and given to each staff member in case of emergency or displayed on a staff notice board or on a staff-only secure section of your website. Well, who then would decide when to use the BCP? Ideally, two or more senior staff will have authority to initiate the BCP if the need arises. You need to ensure, though, that your BCP is not dependent on being implemented in a time of upheaval by just one or two key people, such as the principal dentist and the practice manager. That's because if they are unavailable, such as they're away overseas on holiday or at a conference or cut off by floodwaters from reaching the practice, then other staff will need to better run the plan in their absence. You need at least two people allocated to each task in case one of them is unavailable during the crisis to avoid these key tasks becoming overlooked. Where, Simon, do you think the plan should be stored? It's critical to have copies of the plan in the workplace for ready reference to it when needed. However, you also need to store it securely electronically with confidential information in encrypted and password protected in case it needs to be activated by managers who cannot physically be in the practice. Hopefully, you'll never need to use a BCP once the COVID-19 pandemic blows over. However, if you do, you will feel far more confident to deal with crises if they arise unexpectedly. Our challenge is to be better prepared for any eventualities if and when they arise in the near future and learn to take constructive steps to minimise our business risks. Well, thank you so much, Simon, for that relevant and helpful content. And thank you all for listening. We do hope this podcast was helpful to you and we look forward to sharing more guidance with you in the future. If you like Dental Protection Podcasts and you'd like to hear more, please subscribe and leave a review.